Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome back to Just Another Football Podcast. In this episode, you might notice a little bit of an echo in my voice. I'm Ali speaking, but the voice of George and Harry is completely fine. I hope this doesn't impact your listening experience too much, but if it does, go to twitter.com slash jf underscore pod and blame me. Thank you. Enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome Welcome back to Just Another Football Podcast. It's a pretty strange time in football and it's a pretty strange time for a podcast because I'm hosting the pod while Harry's here. Hi, Harry. I think, to be honest with you, I thought you were going to leave if it's a strange time because I'm here, because that has been a rare <laughs> <laughs> week. To be fair, to be fair, it has. I thought, it has. I thought I'll just I'll ease back in uh, to contention here. It's like when you, you get a player back into the team and they just sort of feel their way in after a long injury. Give them 65 minutes. Yeah. I will stick around for the whole part. I'm not going to, you know, take an early substitution, but I'm just going to feel my way back in. Lovely. Let you pull the strings for a bit. But yeah, good to be back. It's great to have you. And uh, secondly, we got we got a regular now, George. You've uh, been pretty consistent. We've been you've been making the pot every time. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I so think it's what two in a row, and then I missed. Uh, well, two in a row counts. Two in a row counts. Yeah. Because it's pretty rare. It's rare for any of us because Fergal's not here. Uh, he hosted it last time, which I think he actually did a pretty good job. Uh, you know, feel free to check that episode out. It's a uh, Robert Chelsea discussion that was. Um, since Fergal and uh, George were were um, together on that panel for the first time, actually, uh, which I, f- I found the, the conversation fascinating, particularly the part about uh, predict or uh, guess where each team is in the Premier League table. That was fun. Um, but well, it's hard to know. Yeah, it's not as easy as you think. It's not easy as you think at all. Like even before the podcast, I was uh, we're talking about Tottenham, where we. Uh, George and I thought Tottenham were way down there, and there's no chance they could sneak into the top four. But like they if they win their games in half, not even win, like a win and a draw could get them fourth place. It's pretty. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, the yeah, the yeah. You yeah, games down now, yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely fascinating. Um, but the more fascinating one, Harry, is I don't know if you've heard, if you've listened to the episode since, you better have. Um, what do you think about their take about me being the mom of the pod and you being the dad? I think it's very, very, uh, very kind of them. To be honest with you, I, I take it as a oh. compliment, mate. I'm, I'm sort of. Well, the, well, the, the thing is, mate, the, the way I look at it is, you know, <laughs> they're giving us authority. They're assuming we have we have wisdom to impart yes. on them with our football knowledge. Yes. Um, and so. I take that as a compliment, in fairness. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I love to say it. I, I'm, I'm sort of, uh, maybe that wasn't the intended. Um, no, it was. It was. You've nailed it. Yeah, I nailed it. I, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was the thesis of what you get into. I mean, yeah. to be fair, as I said, I, I'm I'm perfectly happy to uh, to take that, Ali. If I, you know, they, they could call me a lot worse. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to take it to the uh, picture of me being organized and uh, orderly and everything like that, which, uh, which isn't entirely accurate. But here we are. I'm the mom of the pod, you're the dad of the pod, and uh, one of our two kids is here. Uh, George. I don't our... like that, bro. I don't... <laughs> <laughs> you are signing yourself. You said it Not... yourself. Yeah. There are some other kind of indications that go with that. Yeah. There are. Um, but let's let's not get into it. Uh, let's get into let's get into Leeds because bloody hell, the last seven nil against Man City. Remember last season when when Leeds were capable of beating Man City two one away. What yeah. happened with ten men as well? With ten men, I was watching that earlier actually. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it. I suppose it kind of stems a wider discussion about Leeds. Um, Definitively so. And kind of how their play style matches up against the top teams. And I know Fergus, if he's listening to this, probably won't like it, but I think with the way they approach games, they're going to get a few batterings off some of these guys. I mean, we've seen it at the start of the season with the Man United game, and you've seen it again tonight. And I know they gave Chelsea a good game at the weekend. I don't know if we'll talk about Chelsea, but I think that says more about them than does that Leeds personally, even though Leeds were pretty good. Um,. Yeah, I mean, if you want to get into the kind of the tactical intricacies of it, you know, man-to-man marking combined with uh, tactical and positional fluidity equals mm. disaster for Leeds, and that's yeah. kind of exactly what it was. Um, just gaping holes absolutely wherever you look. I mean, the defending of some of the goals was just absolutely woeful. Um, so... Yeah, it's not particularly encouraging. I suppose the only thing I would say is, you know, if, if you're talking about a kind of a wider discussion about how they could fare for the rest of the season, you know, are they relegation candidates? You know, you, you don't get judged on playing Man City away. Man City will beat every single one of their rivals at the bottom of the table. They might not beat them 7-0, but, but they'll beat all those teams. So, you know, there's bigger fish to fry for Leeds. And, and, and another crumb of comfort is looking at their fixtures. They have got a pretty easy game at the weekend um, against the team that notoriously likes giving other teams the kiss of life hey. when they're pretty much out for the count. Uh, I'm sure we might get into that later. Uh, so if they're looking to rebound, they've got a decent decent chance of doing that. <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that. Yeah, um, yeah I, I think it's a particular vanilla team because of life earlier. That was baffling. Yeah. Go on, go on, George. But let's not yeah. really look at that. Yeah. Obviously, that was that was the positive side of looking at Leeds. There is a lot of negatives. I mean, uh, obviously, like uh, Harry said, you're not going to be judged on on you know lo- losing to Man City or Chelsea, effectively, it, or, or even Man United being spanked five five one. Um, that's not a disaster. Like, it, that that genuinely isn't isn't a problem for Leeds. What is is the only teams that they've beaten this season uh, are Watford. Um, Norwich and Crystal Palace and Crew Alexander, uh, I think. Um, that's yeah. a problem. That is a real problem because Watford and Norwich, I think, for most people, um, were already relegated before the season had started. Crystal Palace, um, a lot of people were, were on the ropes with them in terms of the high turnover of players, um, bringing in a manager who, who did okay at Nice, you know, had, had some really good spells, but really unproven in, in the Premier League as well. It wasn't a guarantee that Crystal Palace would, would do well this season. And to be honest, actually, 
reflecting on their season, I think I, I see them as done better than they actually have. They're, they're pretty low down in the league. They're losing they're losing a lot of games. Uh, they're drawing a lot of games against like the likes of Burnley and and also being outclassed and outplayed in, in spells, um, which we didn't see last season. Seven so definitely that's, yeah, that's there's silly. definitely a drop-off. Uh, and they deserve to be where they are. That's that's the final point. They deserve to be in 15th, 16th. You know, looking at the XG, looking at also the eye test, looking at everything. They've not been impressive against anyone particularly. Um, there's a couple games where, where they've shone, but, but, but really that's where they expect to, to, to win. I, I think the, the highest they, they've beaten someone on XG was, was against Wolves. And they drew that game. You know, they they only they only um, got 0.7 more xG than Newcastle. That's that's mm. not good. That is really mm. that's just not good. It's not good enough at all. Um, yeah. With it's, with Leeds, it, it's the problem is that they haven't even drawn with anybody notable either. No. Um, it's, it's not, not like they got one of the top three or four teams and and got a point out of them. Looking at who they, they drew against, obviously lost in the very very last minutes to Chelsea, and we can get into the kind of form Chelsea are in. Um, but you had a whole episode last time about Chelsea, so enough Chelsea. Um, but yeah, I today uh, while that game happened, while, uh, during the Man City game in the first half, I was uh, I was out doing chores, listening to a random podcast, and uh, having Google Maps open. And the notification popped up that they conceded a third goal. And I was like, oh my god, that's like the 20th minute. Marcelo Bielsa was getting sacked. Well, to be fair, by that point. I said, yeah. I said, in, like, I was, I was driving on my own, and I said out loud, Bielsa was getting sacked. That was like my immediate reaction. Marcelo Bielsa was getting sacked. Marcelo Bielsa is going to be sacked. I said those three sentences back to back out loud. <laughs> Yeah, um, I, I think but that, that, that was my immediate reaction to it, which makes me think I think that might happen. Not as not in in a set, in a way that like oh he's they're gonna fire him after this game or anything like that. But I wonder if he's reached a ceiling with these yeah, like getting the, yeah. the, the the most out of them that they might have a meeting with him and be like hey you know this this might not be working anymore. We uh, we might need a like a fresher perspective on things. Maybe they might reach a point. They're three points off of the relegation zone with all games played after 17 game weeks. Um, all teams below them have a game in hand, so Watford win the next game and they're above them on goal difference. Because guess what? Leeds United's goal difference worsened by seven today, and they're now on negative 15, which is the second worst. Um, Watford had a negative 10 goal difference, they win their game hand, which I honestly don't know who it's against, but let's assume they are on 16 points with a 5 goal difference. Burnley win their game and get, uh, win their two games, so which is... They can't both win, it's, it's Burnley against Watford. There you go, Burnley uh, against... Yeah, if, 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 if Watford win, if, is one way of looking at that. There you go. Um, the, the bottom point being, the, the point being, they're in danger. I wonder if they can, if they're gonna have a, a little meeting with with Bielsa and go like, we probably want a 
a fresh start or rethinking about it or whatever. I um, I would agree I with you, but I, I do see Bielsa's invincible at least this season. I reckon he could get them relegated and last the whole whole year. Obviously, I reckon like, mutual termination after that. Um, I, I think what Bielsa's done for the club... I, I, uh, and I think that the expectations of the Leeds board aren't the same as Everton and Wolves and Aston Villa. There, there seems to be a, a level of realism um, similar to the Norwich board. Not not expectation to go down, but but a level of realism where they're not going to make a knee-jerk reaction at Christmas if, if Bielsa's in the bottom three. Uh, it's such a... It, I mean, obviously Leeds play such a high-risk football. Uh, th- that's that's their whole stick, and that's why people enjoy watching them. I I don't um, because that leads, but that, I'm a Chelsea <laughs> fan, so um, it's understandable. But like, if you just look at their their team and the stats, they'll probably they'll probably see that Bielsa is still doing the same things as last year. I mean, I I, I did a bit of obviously research and prep for this part in terms of uh, leads. Well, well done. done. I did think. Well, I did think um, FJC was coming on, so I, I, I thought I had to be backed with some elasticity to, yeah, exactly, oh, yeah. to throw it in. But but they are that they so obviously they're the highest. Uh, they've got the highest number of presses in the Premier League, uh, and fairly successful at it as well um, in comparison to, to, to other teams. However, they've also got the highest number of times that they've been dribble past. Um, and mm. the second highest mistakes leading to leading to shots as well, uh, out of all the all the teams, that just just sums up Beelzebub. Yes, they create space <laughs> and for themselves uh, by winning the ball, you know, in in high positions. But they also just leave so much space behind them. So uh, a good dribbler, someone someone beats a single player, and you've got a back line that that is not straight. I saw I saw the back line against Man City today. It was shambolic. It was like it was it was like I, I, trying to draw a straight line with a ruler. It was awful. <laughs> Even worse than that, actually, it's just terrible. There's wow. a few things that stand out to me for Leeds. Um, I'll talk about Bielsa in a minute. You compare them to last season. Last season they finished uh, ninth in the league. They won 18 games, they won nearly half their matches, and they scored 62 goals, which is more than Arsenal, more than Chelsea, and the same number as West Ham. If you compare that to this season, they've won three games, obviously their troubles are well documented, three games out of 17. In 17 games, they've scored 17 goals. Now, part of that is because of injuries. You know, Mm. Bamford's not played a large part of the season. You know, not that he's anything special, but he's important to them. He was their top goal scorer last season. Um, I think your point about them getting nothing against the big teams I actually, again, I'll repeat this I don't think that matters so much I know they had a good record at home against the big teams last year and that certainly helps but if you actually look at it their defined style, their way of playing the reason they were able to get as many points as they did was because they beat a lot of teams that you would have at the start of the season called their competitors because of the uniqueness of the way they approach teams yeah. and, and and look to and look to attack and look to defend like it, it provides an awkward challenge for whoever they're playing and as you've said there's risk associated with that part of the risk is I think teams get wise to what they're doing they've had a season to kind of suss them out a bit you get your analysts on it a little bit more and you've played against them twice a lot of these teams I, I think I'm not going to say they've been found out because I think that's premature 
yeah. but they're not having the same level of success, obviously. And, and and they're not scoring nearly as many goals, as I said. And and that is a big problem for them because they concede goals. They've conceded thirty two goals this season. I know they've conceded seven tonight, but it's it's more than a goal a game. So they're not a team down the bottom who are gonna keep it tight and I know they've drawn seven games, but they're not gonna draw loads of games uh with low scoring margins and I'm I fully accept that FJC will probably pull this up now and tell me they have <laughs> seven nil nil draws. But generally the way they're looking to approach games is to score a lot of goals and they're and they're just not doing that. Not In terms that, of Bielsa, I who are they gonna get that is better? better. Than yeah, him? I agree. I, I, like I don't think it is though I, I think it's a very no. short answer and the answer is that if you look at that squad no. bar three or four players it's a championship squad and I'm not trying to be disrespectful here but look 100%. at where they were before he came in and look yeah. at where they are now you, you, you can't argue with the fact that he's, he, he is getting much more than the sum of the parts of that team yeah I think the the injury Thing, at least, is, is, uh, yeah, I think it's closer crisis, if not actually crisis. We're playing seventeen-year-olds with this. Yeah, absolutely. There's, there's one tonight. I mean, seriously, I don't mm. want to be disrespectful, but like mm. some of the guys on there, like it, it's just well before their time. If you actually look uh, at it, I to, mean, to, yeah, yeah, yeah. To to me as well, um, I I think, like Harry said, that the squad is not good enough. I said it at the start of the season. That's why I predicted them at fifteenth. Um, I'm, I'm still waiting for them to. Yeah, well, I'm still waiting for them to win about four games in a row. Yeah. Well, that's well, that's it. People didn't didn't expect them to be here. I did, but people people genuinely were, were predicting top ten finishes um, at the very least, top twelve. I think that's yeah. not insane. Um, but I think I think you just got to look at the recruitment and. It's well documented how how little Bielsa cares about recruitment, but Daniel James and 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 Furpo, neither of which really. I mean, are they signings for for now? I know Daniel James is is on loan, so so uh, is that the kind of person that you need oh, in immediately? Twenty five Oh, was it was it signing? Uh, apologies. Yeah. Um, but but, but Furpo and, and Daniel James are, are players where you you hope in three years they are they are in their prime in the Premier League. They're not signings for now, and they just need some players uh, who are good enough and have Premier League experience. I think you could literally pick out every single player in that team, bar Urente, who I've actually not been that impressed with, but but still, um, by Urente, you could probably replace them with first first team signing. Rafinha, Hanford, maybe, and Rafinha. I mean, there's three players. Rafinha's been very good. That, that's, I yeah. mean, to be fair, like that. Maybe that's a bit worrying, though. Is how well he's playing. Yeah. How, how much they've relied on him. Yeah. Seventeen yeah. goals this season. Yeah. Um. You know, how long are they going to be able to keep him for? It's like that's probably another concern because I think outside of like the big teams, he's probably been the standout player this season. Um. Yeah. Yeah. It's oh, like it's like, like Emmanuel Dennis at Watford. He's, uh, he's has he has the second most uh, goal contributions at least before this game week, and he still is at the at the bottom. Um, so yeah, FPL King Emmanuel Dennis. But yeah, let's move on from from Leeds because there's been something else that's that's been very intriguing. And Harry's here, and we can talk about this now. Arsenal. Okay. Yeah. So. You've had a good weekend result-wise. Yep. 
3 0 against Southampton. Easy as you like. Everything good. No issues when, when, as far as the game concerns. Or is there? Because your now former captain, Pierre Eric was left out of the squad for disciplinary reasons. Yeah. For the second time in two years. Mm-hmm. Not even two years. Second time in like two eight seasons. Months? Oh, eight, eight months? months. No, it was. Yeah, I thought it was 2019, 2019, the first one. one. My bad. No, no, so no, 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 it was last season. Okay, okay. Let, let, let me say this again. Your former captain, Pierre, was left out of the squad for the second time in eight, let's say, to nine months. And then today, this morning, uh, the first thing I read in the news, breaking Aubameyang is ripped off his captaincy. Your last, like, Nine captains since the Galas days haven't yeah. been fantastic. You had people no, reduced playing time, revolting, refusing to go to training camps like Michelle. Uh, oh yeah, and they showed um, mm-hmm. that was that was a big one. It's it's like Henry the Eighth's uh, uh, wives. It was, <laughs> I, 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 I saw someone made that analogy earlier. Um, I'll uh, dig it up. It was it was quite funny, but um, yeah, it's well documented the uh, the poison chalice um, of the Arsenal captaincy. It's like, like the, the Chelsea, Chelsea number nine shirt. Yeah, except yeah, worse. Much. <laughs> I, I I've got to say, like that, and I apologise if this becomes a ramble because there's kind of a lot of things to to unpick with this. Harry, so take it away. away. Okay, because <laughs> you'll be surprised. Like, I'm. I think I'm pretty, like, tepid on this. Like, there are people that are, like, very angry with Arteta, very angry with Aubameyang, and and I'm a bit more level on it, and I'll, you know, I'll explain why. So, I think just to provide a bit of context, as we already said, it it happened last season. He was late uh, reporting to the matchday squad for the Spurs game. He was subsequently left on the bench for that match. Yes. So it's more than one occasion, which was made clear in the statement that was put out by Arsenal today. It was a very strong statement too. It was, uh, it was very pointed. Very pointed. Well, they said following his latest disciplinary breach. So obviously it supports the idea that it's not the first time. And it also makes the starts of the club very, very clear, which is that they are with the manager and the decision he has taken. Because they yeah. didn't need to address it like that. I think I'd have to revisit the Granite Shaka one, and obviously it's a it's a different situation because what he did was very obvious. People mm. have seen it. Whereas with Aubameyang, okay, people know he was late. How many times has he been late? You know, why was he late? Uh, yeah. What was the context in which, you know, what, what instructions was he given before he went away? Like, was it made abundantly clear to him? Now, given how molly coddled footballers are nowadays, I think it would have been very like he pretty much would have been given an itinerary like this is your flight time this is what you need to especially with the covid protocols because that was the crux of the issue the issue was he reported back on thursday morning instead of wednesday night and as a result he could not train because he couldn't complete a pcr test and get the result of that back and and end his isolation before training was due to start that was the issue yeah Yeah. And, and as a result he was left out of the squad because he wasn't able to train before now the reason I think this is such a big issue for Arteta, firstly, is, is, is that it's happened multiple times. And, and he's the captain, he's the highest paid player, he's supposed to be the star striker, even though you know his performances don't reflect that necessarily this season or last. But the other thing is, when you've got a squad and, and a lot of the starting eleven who are under the age of 24, still a pretty 
young uh, squad who need senior pros setting the example for them on the pitch and off the pitch. And I think yeah. there's a lot of examples of this not happening this season. And it's why we've slipped up in a few games this season, certainly for my reckoning. You need these guys setting an example. Aubameyang's not been playing well on the pitch, which is fine because everybody has poor spells, even though he's getting paid a lot of money and maybe we expect better with his performances. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm prepared to accept that people have poor spells. Strikers have... Like, Lukaku's got three goals this season, right? Aubameyang's yeah. got four. So, I'm, you know, I accept that he might um, be having a tough time in front of goal. But lateness and setting a poor example like that is something I find kind of hard to stomach as a result because I think if you're in poor form the one thing you don't want to be accused of is a lack of effort and in fairness I wouldn't say his effort and application on the pitch this season has been the issue it's been his presence and influence in games what he's actually producing not just goals but his performance not his effort necessarily and I think when you've got your highest paid player having a tough time and he's not towing the line off the pitch I can understand why it's a big issue, and 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 you mentioned the captaincy, you know, over the past ten years. I think we've really had a cultural problem at the club. I think mm. too much has gone unpunished. Now, Arsene Wenger had a very different style of managing players and and nurturing them, and maybe he wasn't quite tough enough on them. He let them get away with a bit too much. So the one that always comes to mind for me is Alexis Sanchez. He was a difficult personality to manage. But he always delivered on the pitch, so you were sort of like prepared to accept that he's difficult, he's delicate, he might upset people. Aubameyang's different in the sense that I don't think he's as outwardly like negative with the impact he has on people. Like the reputation he came with is a bit of a bad boy. I don't think that's necessarily come to fruition. I just think he's quite a laid-back character who, at times, that's going to give the wrong impression. I think that was that Tuchel did a similar thing with him at Dortmund, where he was. He'd gone on holiday or something and come back late and he left him out of a Champions League squad. Mm. So he has form for this sort of stuff. And and I just think that, look, I think this is the beginning of the end for him at Arsenal. Like, I have to say, whether he goes in January is, you know, probably going to be quite difficult to arrange with AFCON. Um, but I understand why the club have taken a strong stance on it, to be honest with you. And, you know, if you want to look a bit deeper into it, even before this happened on Monday night when we, when we went to Everton and lost 2-1 he was named on the bench and then we needed a goal and he wasn't brought on he brought Eddie Nketiah on ahead of him mm-hmm. who is refusing to commit his future to the club so you just look at it and you think well because you've not been delivering on the pitch and you're not setting a good stand off the pitch he's not really got a leg to stand on when it comes to this um you know, the difficult thing is going to be obviously what they do with the captaincy after this because yeah, there's, not there's not a natural. There's not that. Well, I'll, I'll tell you quite like frankly, there isn't a natural candidate. I think what will end up happening is, and he spoke about it today at his press conference, yeah. is we've got this leadership group, as Emery called it as well when he was the manager. You know, you've got this group of five players, and any of them can be the captain. Like. <laughs> That's sort of what happens when you don't necessarily have a natural leader, which is fine. We've got a young dressing room. I don't have an issue with it. I think what will end up happening, Lacazette was captain on Saturday. I think he'll wear the armband again tomorrow and maybe in future whenever he plays. But obviously he's not a nailed-on starter and he's going to leave at the end of the season. So I don't think they want to create this situation which they had with Arteta, which they had with Vermaelen and Mertesacker where they were captain, but they never played. Captain, Captain, but were they captain? 
Yeah, exactly. So, like, I think what they'll do is they'll give it to him, um, and then if he's not playing, then I don't know. Maybe Erdegaard gets it, or Heaney gets it, or Gabriel mm. gets it. Like, I don't think it'll necessarily be established. And then probably at the end of the season, they might name one. I think the only other thing I want to add is obviously Arteta did his press conference today. He was asked like a few times about it, as you'd expect. He was very non-committal in his answers about whether it could be the end of Aubameyang at the club and when we might see him again. And and on other occasions, he's been very quick to kind of draw a line on this stuff and say, look, we move forward with this, whether it be Aubameyang or other players where they've made mistakes on or off the pitch. And I just think his reluctance to do so mm-hmm. is not the best sign. Um, and I think the important thing is, I don't think it's necessarily the impact it has on Aubameyang. That's one thing. That's one player... And quite frankly, he's not been delivering for us anyway. I think the important thing here is, what do the rest of the people in that dressing room think of the decision? Because that's what's going to be important. They're the ones that are going to play. They're going to pick up the slack. And I think what you don't want to happen, and this is the problem we've had a few times, is you get these cliques that emerge and it becomes a bit toxic. So when Arteta came and you sort of had that German clique of Mustafi and and Ozil and Socrates and Kalas, I know they're all German, but they played in the German leagues. And, and Kalasnac and then you had the sort of French guys of Genduzi and and Aubameyang and Lacazette and, and we had to kind of break that up a bit and, and, and weed that kind of toxicity out of the dressing room and I think we one of the good things he's done this season is build a good young core there's a lot of likeable characters in our dressing room and people are prepared to give them time so I just think what you don't want to happen is it becomes toxic again yeah, yeah. I, 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 sorry, sorry to cut you off. That's me, done. Yeah, yeah, it's good. I never liked to sort of, I don't want to bring Chelsea into it too much, but, but there were some noticeable c- comparisons here. Um, one being that um, actually it's interesting because N'Golo Kante is the most fined Chelsea player for being late. Mm-hmm. Now, if you look at N'Golo's Can- uh, N'Golo Kante's reputation compared to Aubameyang's, Obviously, the severity is different, um, but N'Golo's always late five yeah. minutes. You know, it's not it's not major, really? but it's always effectively. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's Chelsea's most fine player. He, wow. People don't tend to know this, but but um, yeah, that is he, interesting. I've never heard that. Got, yeah, yeah, um, Hudson Odoi and and Ruben Loftus Cheek came out of it in a, in an interview. I think about six months ago, eight months ago. Oh, yeah. And he's got a very different persona, a very different reputation to Aubameyang, and I think there's a couple of reasons. One, like Harry mentioned, performances on the pitch do just matter. Like it's, it, it shouldn't in terms of you know reputation as uh, as a character, but if you perform well on the pitch, Diego Costa didn't get slate for 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 getting suspended every you know actually too fate he got very few suspensions but Diego Costa wouldn't get slate because he scores goals you know mm-hmm. it, it's, it's as simple as that if Aubameyang was having the same season as he did uh, two or three years ago now we wouldn't really be be talking about this it, 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 uh, in my opinion anyway I don't think it would be made into a big issue. No, the other notice- noticeable. Yeah, sorry, go on. Yeah, yeah. No, no. All I was going to say on that is he was asked about that Arteta today. Would you have done the mm. same thing if he'd, you know, scored ten goals in his last ten games? Yeah. And he said yes, but I- I'm it- less inclined to believe yeah. it if I'm honest. No, and I don't think I don't think that necessarily is a condom. This isn't me having a go at it, Arteta, because I think he made a good decision, really. Yeah. Uh, and I think yeah, um, that that leadership void, as it were, because. 
that's what appears from the outside is it's going to be a tricky thing to 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 implement or bring people in to to hit the ground running because you often like um to have um leaders who not only um uh, you know, are old and experienced, but have been at the club for a long time. I'm thinking Asper Laqueta took over from 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 John Terry. Really, John Terry took over from Dennis Wise. You could, yeah. uh, and that's the difference with with Chelsea and Arsenal. Is Chelsea handed over captaincy to a very young John Terry, but they he got sort of groomed into that role by yeah. Dennis Wise and and a, a very experienced team. Arsenal don't have the opportunity to give. Smith Rowe, Ben White, Ramsdale, the captaincy, because they don't have the the players around them to 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 help them into that role. It's not a natural. It's not easy to fall into that position. No, it's not passing you the torch. I agree. Yeah, I agree. It would um, be like they'd be you, you need a little bit of work. Right. It'd be a single yeah. swim sort of thing, wouldn't it? It's like here's the armband, you know, and, and you've got the opportunity to be the leader in the dressing room and some people thrive off that and and they grow as a personality and they grow as a player and other people when they're in poor form and Aubameyang is one of these and he's a senior player so you've seen what it's done to him his shoulders sag a bit and it weighs heavy on him you know it's it's just another thing that you've got to complete you know you're captain you're you're kind of the front for it all you're you're doing them uh, pre-match program notes and sort of writing all this stuff and the team might be in poor form you might be in poor form it's just another obligation to complete, and it is like it's bloody yeah. hard. I completely get it. So, I think that's why, as I said, I think they're going to take a bit more time to maybe let the season play out, let some yeah. of these senior guys share the armband a bit, not commit to anything. Yeah. Um, and and I'm fine with that. Like, and people will say, "Oh, well, there's a, there's a void of leadership." Maybe there is, but it's a young squad, so that that isn't wholly surprising, if I'm honest. I think that's that would be less damaging than giving someone the armband prematurely and then that affects their form and maybe you then have to change it again. Because I think what they don't want to have to do, in two years they've had to strip people, not not people that have left or people that have, you know, uh, stepped down from the captain. They've had to take it off someone twice yeah. in two years. It's yeah. not a good look. Not, not a good look. look. Yeah, I, I think you're right in the... Um... In the sort of, uh, if you give it to someone and take it away, that's much bigger, more of an issue than than if you say, "Look, we're going to share it around." Uh, and mm-hmm. although there clearly is a captaincy void, putting the the pressure on someone who's not not ready is going to be far worse than than sharing a captaincy. And let's be honest, it's symbolic anyway. It's a, I was going to say symbolic that was going to be my and, question. Does uh, it? Uh, it doesn't matter. No. How much importance does it actually hold? Because no. for some people, that they, they kind of have this idea of of captains, you know, in the form of Patrick Vieira or Roy Keane or yeah. Tony Adams or John Terry. Does that sort of leadership actually exist well, to the same but, but, extent in modern football? But their their captaincy wasn't because they were simply captains, as in had the armband. Their captaincy was because of a personality trait. Not, not in the sense that they just had an armband. For example, I mean, you, like, if if you had a team of Vieira, um, John Terry, or, or even let's just take the the Arsenal Invincibles, you have the team of the Arsenal Invincibles, and you give Freddie Lundberg the captaincy, it wouldn't matter. No, it you could have given matter. it to any. 
you could have given it to the, the most quiet person, but you've at least got four different people on the pitch who are going to take charge. Not just on yeah. the pitch, actually, off the pitch as well. So it, it's not about this one person who represents the whole squad. You've got to have five or six. And I don't think Arsenal have that. I don't think many oh, yeah. teams have that. No. Um, but, but, but that's that's not necessarily a bad thing, like 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 Harry said, because you can build that through the through the team that you've got right now in this core core mm. young group of players. It's just going to take time. What what do you think, Ali? Because like at yeah. Liverpool, you've obviously got Henderson wearing the armband, and he's yeah. maybe more of a throwback to the guys that we were talking about in 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 the sense that I suppose his way of leading more than anything, like is. Mm perhaps more remedy I'm not saying he plays like Roy Keane or Vieira but he's he's more of that mould I suppose in the way that he leads what's your sort of overriding opinion on the importance of the captaincy in modern football extremely I, I think. think interesting um, not, not in, in a sense, sense that you have this one figure the one man that's the leader that's gonna save the world on your team it's not that way but in terms of on the pitch, you should have someone for communication purposes that is assigned to throw instru- further instructions around to communicate with the team, get instructions from the from the manager. And like Henderson does, Henderson, you find him like every single game he plays, you'll find him uh, speaking to Jurgen Klopp two or three times when the camera passes to them. Yeah, he's like his um, lieutenant he's, on the pit. Exactly, exactly. So you want to have someone who is vocal, who is determined, who pays a lot of attention to every tactical development on the pitch, and take instructions, take them on board, but also play well, lead by example. If someone is slacking, wake them up. Um, even if it's like, there's this cliche about Henderson that, that he's just shouting and yells things at people he just keeps people ticking some clubs choose to give the captaincy to the best player because they want to sign the captain and it will depend from every club to another how the captaincy is going to work how the dynamics are and at the end of the day it's it's unique to every club and i'm speaking from uh, the perspective of liverpool who have a lot of leaders um, it, whether that's just vocally, like like Henderson, communication-wise, or if you uh, if Salah has like a chance to wear them, it's freaking Mo Salah, like he's the best player in the world, in my opinion, anyway. And yeah, if you give him the armband, he, you know he's someone that will that will lead by example yeah. and will be the best player on the pitch every time. So the captain is someone you look up to. I think that might have been the intention of Aubameyang. The Uter is the most important player for Arsenal, if not best. Let, let's make this clear because like there's been a there's been a misconception this week in the media. Firstly, people are saying why did Aubameyang get the captaincy of Arteta? He didn't. He got it under Emery. Yeah. And the yeah. second thing is. When he actually got the armband in October or early November 2019, he was in red-hot form. He had a very yeah. good season that year. We ended up winning the FA Cup. He was top scorer in the league. You can't argue with it when he got it. Now, there's a lot of like reflectionism and hindsight Harry's, not me, yeah. but out, out for blood. <laughs> hindsight Harry's. Now. Yeah, not, not me, though. Yeah. Um, saying, why did he get it? At the time, it made sense. 
and 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 I understand the decision because it was one that had to be taken quickly. We've got to take it off Shaka. Just give it to Aubameyang. He's the top scorer. He's he's doing bits at the moment. Just and it, and, and I actually think I spoke about it earlier, like having a negative impact on him. I actually think to begin with, he liked the responsibility. He was in yeah. good form, and he thought, okay, I can lead by example. Um, the only thing I'd say with captaincy, and and you've spoken about, and we'll move on from this in a second because I, you know, there's it's right that, but, <laughs> yeah. But it's fascinating. Who's the captain at Man City? I don't even know. Who is it? Yeah, yeah and that's, that's what I'm saying. saying. It, it will depend on the club. It's, 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 it's very different. Company was the captain. He leaves. And we had a conversation last year, didn't we, about um, oh, oh, there is there a leadership, leadership one at Man City when they were not doing well. Um, but now, who, uh, I think it's Fernandinho, which is, you know, I would say it's a good... It's a, he didn't play that, that you know, uh, often. He doesn't play that often, but in terms of personality uh, there's a reason i asked that by the way not to get into the specifics of it but they're yeah. probably the best team in the world at the moment they're top of the premier league yeah. at yeah. least and they're looking really good yeah and i don't think it matters when you're getting results who your leaders are i think it's a very easy yeah. thing to band about particularly with a young team like arsenal where are their leaders and don't get me wrong, i'm not saying it doesn't matter but the importance of the captaincy itself it is something that I think is overstated. I think if you've got people set an ex- example mm. with their performances on the pitch, I think that's the most important thing. Yeah, I think you're right. I think, I think you're the right. Other thing I, the other thing I'd, as like a final point for me, is mm. I, I think culture is far more important than captaincy or individual leaders. If that's you true. have yeah. a manager like Pep, who's, who demands so much off the pitch, and then you've got players who... who clearly demands so much in, in Man City players off the pitch, not just on the pitch, where, you know, that there is an expectation to be a certain level and to compete at a certain level all the time. I think you're naturally just going to uplift everyone's um, uh, everyone's ability and, and you're going to play as a unit. So, so uh, I think culture matters far more than just individual captaincy and individual mm. um, uh, uh, that, that leader role. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I, I agree. I, 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 like, that's harder to dispute. Yeah, yeah I think so. Uh, yeah, um, it's going to be interesting with the captain at Arsenal. Let's move on. Yeah. Let's move on. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I think, think the, the overall point here, club culture role, is, is more important than one, one person. person. Um, moving, moving on to a, 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 a very dark matter of Everton. Uh, I mean, my God. Paul Joyce today revealed um, a further list of injuries for Everton, including Richarlison. That, that this is the tweet he, uh, he put out earlier exactly today. Oh, yeah, my God. Uh, Richelson has suffered a tear to the muscle in his calf and will be out for a number of weeks for Everton. He said a number. He didn't put a number on it. I imagine a number means like six, five, four, five, six, seven weeks, something in that range. So, like a yeah, mid-range, mid a mid-term. Um, mid mid-term is that the right word? Middle-term. Injury. And how sounds it? Has a small fracture in his foot and we'll see a specialist. In addition, James Coleman, that's not a big deal, is it? Suffered bone bruising and a soft tissue damage. Not good. Not Everton, Everton. Yeah. have been horrendous. Although they, they, won, they won one game since September 25th against Arsenal. Uh, and that wasn't like in the last minute. That, that was, yeah, they, 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 they could have scored even more and more and more. more. Um, yeah, they they um, 
that that night, like, I don't mean to be salty about it, okay. but it was much more about the way we performed. Than, like, they were fine. They gave a lot of energy, and it was kind of like old-fashioned, like, blood and thunder and passion. And yeah, it, it kind, kind of reminded, reminded me of the, when, when um, Duncan, Duncan Ferguson, Ferguson took yeah. uh, uh, an in charge. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and they were in dreadful form then, and they I think they beat Chelsea, didn't they? Like, 3-1, three three one, one, yeah. The first game. They did. And it was a bit like, not, not with much, like, quality, no disrespect, but it was getting the crowd on side, yep. which, to be honest with you, like I think had Arsenal played even half decently, it would have been exactly the opposite and the crowd would have been on his back. Um, yeah. But because they saw a committed Everton, you know, trying to win the ball high and lots of energy, um, they got behind it. Um, but there wasn't loads of quality from them. I think they, they gave a good performance on the night. And what I would say is... That, when, when I saw that, I didn't think, crikey, Everton have turned a corner, they're going to go on a winning run now. I looked at their next two fixtures in Crystal Palace and Chelsea, and I thought, they'll lose both of them. And and they oh. probably will now, if I'm honest. Yeah. yeah. The, I, the only I, other I, problem I is... Uh, sorry to cut you off, uh, Ali, I'll let you, I'll let you go. But, no, uh, I wasn't going to say anything. Um, <laughs> um, the only other problem was the, the bit of quality that we did see against Arsenal, and, and he did have a lot of quality, was Richarlison. He yeah. was uh, he was immense in terms of his finishing, and now he's out. Calvert Lewin isn't fully fit, and even when he is back in the team, is he going to be is he going to be able to you know kick on? Not not every single player can hit the ground running once they've returned from injury. Just look at Lukaku. Um, you know you need to be bled back into the squad, and, and, and that will help his long term future. I don't think. Rafa will be thinking about that. I think he'll be having to throw him back in as soon as possible, risking another injury, risking um, him not performing well in the long term. Because as much as I like Salomon Rondon, I think he's a fantastic player in, in order to get people around him. I actually genuinely do. I, I watched him at Newcastle. I think he is a backboard. He's genuinely really, really useful for a team. I like, I like that phrase backboard, backboard, by the way. way. Yeah, he's he he a, a backboard. Very, um, it, it provides, provides a lot of context, context of the South place. Yeah. I do think the only the only option he's got now is to play uh, Gray really close to 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 Rondon and, and use him like Almiron and um Iosi Perez next to next to him at, at Newcastle. But even then that was a dire squad. You know, the, this is not a good Everton squad. I look no, at the York Gordon I, I do not rate him at all. I don't see a single attribute in him that I actually am impressed by. Mm. Coleman is clearly, clearly past it. Clearly, he's 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 just not at the same level as he was five years ago. Well, well he's um, injured now, anyways. And he's injured now. Uh, they've got a good midfield. They've got high energy midfield, but they don't play high energy football. You know, Allen and Decore. If you get them moving in the midfield, they they can pick apart teams. They can they can run teams ragged, but they don't play that football, and it makes no sense. They 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 did that against Arsenal, and then they mm. stopped doing it against Crystal Palace, and they went back to their normal ways of trying to you know snatch a victory. It, it genuinely. Let, let's it, be honest. It, 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 like, it doesn't make sense. <sighs> I, I think he's still uh, he's very stubborn as well. Actually, Actually uh, sorry, Harry. By the way, um, yeah, of course. one uh, one point that I heard in a podcast was uh, the fact that in in the Derby game, when Gray scored, that was a good phase of Everton and Liverpool were a little bit like you know backfooted, um, and Gray scores right before the half, and maybe then 
Benitez was like, everything's all right. We don't need to change anything. And they go into the second half and keep playing the same way and get just absolutely hammered. Benitez is a bit of a stubborn manager. When he wants to change things, he will. And we see an example of that at the start of the season. Um, I don't remember who it was against, but there was one time where they scored like kind of back-to-back goals after an instant change of point number 10. I remember because I made a video on it. Uh, Burnley, yes. Um, he put the door in the number 10 and they, they scored twice in like two minutes or three minutes. And uh, But that's when he wanted to change. But when he doesn't want to change, he will not change. Uh, if that makes sense at all. But, but he's yeah, a bit stubborn, too stubborn for, his, for, for, uh, for their own good. He's always been stubborn. Um, I think, if I'm being blunt, I think he gets a lot um, more praise than maybe deserved for the job he did at Newcastle. Yeah. You know, he he, he he's kind of heralded as some legend. I know he brought them back up. I think that, that he brought them back up and he stood up to Mike Ashley. They're the two things which are the reason why the Geordies hold him in high regard. But if you actually look at the football he played there and the results, the results were kind of okay. You know, he sort of kept them in the division and no more. And you could argue, like, with the players he had and the investment that was coming in, you couldn't do much more. But I think that's sort of the, the job. That's the sort of job I think he is. his level is at now. The sort of football he yeah. plays, it's pragmatic. It's, you know, reacting to what the opposition does and trying to stifle them. There's nothing front-footed or progressive or proactive about it um and and then when you couple that with the injuries they've had this season it's a recipe for disaster and he's not long for everton it's not going to take a lot more i mean they were they were chanting obscenities in the away end on sunday and i'm not surprised i mean like it's like jose Mourinho pitching up managing arsenal and and, you know playing dross football and getting crap results like we wouldn't stand for either so i'm not i'm not sitting here and telling them they should stomach it because I, I kind of see it for what it is, which is, is it's really poor football. Um, you know, I know he didn't get a lot of investment in the summer and, and you could sort of, you could query and question the way the club's been run, definitely. It kind of it speaks to a wider issue at Everton, how to spend all this money and not gone anywhere, really. If anything, they've gone backwards. Um, so, you know, I accept that it's not all his fault, but he, he isn't a solution to all of this I don't think Rafa Benitez I don't think it was a particularly inspired appointment I think it was an appointment that reflects the the managerial market at the moment which is that there isn't a lot out there if I'm, if I'm being totally honest with you like you know a, a Conte might crop up on the market for Spurs but or generally the, the, the recruitment yeah, of sorry, Everton, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, sorry God, again, again but uh, there is a point, point to be made as well about their, their recruitment
Everton, what, what, what do they do? do? What, what do they do? do? What's, what's, what's their, their style, style of play? play? And, and from, from manager to manager, it changes. It's bizarre. Yeah. It's bizarre. How they've gone from Carlo Ancelotti to, to Rafa Benitez and thought that was a good idea is beyond me. Like, uh, uh, it's just insane. It's insanity. Yeah. How can you go from thinking that style... Um, what you're not you're going to back it for two years and go actually no we're done with it we're going to completely go the absolute other way not saying Ancelotti played particularly no, good no but Ancelotti but, to be fair left him in the lurch like he, he walked out and took the Real Madrid job it wasn't planned so, no. so there is a degree to which like that they, they 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 were left in a hard position where they needed to get a new manager in and I and I honestly do believe that if they could have appointed anyone else they probably would have I honestly think the managerial market isn't a particularly good one at the moment, and it certainly wasn't in the summer. I mean, who who was available in the summer? I mean, you could you you could have gone Eddie Howe. You, you could have gone um, a younger manager like like Frank no, like Lampard. Said, look, I know there are risks, yeah. but, but but what is what is the ambitions of a club like Everton? And, and, and what, 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 do what, what, what do they, they want? What do they want yeah. to be? Is so, Rafa, Rafa Benitez is just. Uh, uh, a Spanish Sam Allardyce, and in fact, Everton had hey. Sam Allardyce about four years yeah. ago, three years ago. So, was a good you know, what can we expect? Yeah, he was a good manager, you know, 10, 15 years ago, but he isn't a good manager now. Like his 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 era of football, where pragmatism was was the way to go, a bit like Jose Mourinho, mm. sort of like to a lesser extent, he's not been as successful. Um, I don't think he's evolved. Like you saw, he he was sacked at Real Madrid very very quickly. Then he went from Real Madrid to Newcastle. Like with all due respect, like that that I honestly think that is his level right now. Like he isn't much above that. Yeah, and, and, I, I mean, and, uh, yeah, I yeah, would yeah. argue he did, he did okay at Newcastle considering the spending. But but like you said, that's his level. Like that is mm. he was good at Newcastle for me. But that's that's what I expected. He's good at Newcastle. Yeah. So what? Yeah. You know, you know, he's not he's not good enough for a club like Everton, and that's weird for me to say because I don't particularly rate Everton. Yeah. Well, the last time I can think about them having an identity was was Martinez, maybe. Yeah, for Martinez. Like, yeah, with you know, and even even then, it wasn't exactly inspiring, and they relied on Lukaku. <laughs> Pretty, pretty solely for for their success there. Any yeah, excuse to bring up Lukaku? God, any excuse. I think he's in quite a If I was George. <laughs> oh, he's injured. He's injured. Don't be, don't get that. He's played eleven games this season. Uh, yeah, of course. Well, how many of them have been substitute appearances? Yeah. Well, well it's, it's not something I know, about, but you know, it's a point to be made. Uh, let's um. Uh, let's let's leave Everton and go to higher up football that Everton won't get anywhere near anytime soon. It seems like Champions League. Do you see the the draw? Uh, did you see? Did you watch the first draw? So so what? I'll tell you my experience. Yeah, because uh, honestly, what happened there was um, it was too early for I'm in the states. The draw at six a.m. I do wake up for Premier League games at seven thirty a.m. in the yeah, morning. Not for, not for a draw at six. That's not gonna happen. It's all happened as well because it was butchered. So, <laughs> so what happened, right? I'll tell you my experience of it. I I wasn't planning on tuning in, obviously, because we're not in it. Okay. But I saw it pop up on the on the Twitter timeline. It was BT Sport had tweeted like a periscope of it, which okay, is like cool. you could watch it. 
So I clicked on that, yeah, and it was about halfway through, and they just done the Bayern Atletico, one, oh, which was just after point. it had started to go wrong. Yeah, from, from what I, I've been able to, you know, obviously work out since. And there was a couple left, and lots of Man United fans were in the chat going, "It's rigged! It's rigged! It's rigged! It's rigged!" It's because you can type in the chat. Yeah. Um, and they were going, "It's rigged." I, was, I couldn't work out what they were going on about. Like, I thought it was just because they got a bad draw. Yeah. And obviously, they drew PSG. Yeah. Like, What's going on here? And then obviously, I found out that they'd been drawn against Villarreal, who they obviously were in the group with. Yeah. And then that that they weren't in the pot for the um, Atletico. Uh, a draw. They said that they said something like Man United have already been drawn out, which obviously they, they hadn't. <laughs> well, they had been, but they hadn't been. Um, and then obviously the draw was was it had to be voided because it, it mm-hmm. was it was it was totally illegitimate. Was but what I find really funny about it is so it went wrong about halfway through from what I've been able to work out. Before that, I think maybe first or second out, Real Madrid drew Benfica, and we're obviously delighted with that. And so they <laughs> were the ones that said, they said to UEFA, you have to keep our tie against Benfica. Because yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. That was yeah. perfectly legitimate. They refused, and Real Madrid ended up drawing PSG. <laughs> now, you can you can look at some conspiracies into that as to you know whether UEFA maybe wanted to punish Real Madrid for their part in the Super League. I have seen some suggestions of that, which is quite funny. Yeah, um, no chance But what I find just absolutely hilarious is the prospect of uh, Florentino Perez's re- reaction to the second draw. <laughs> uh, I would have loved to see a live reaction of it. Oh yeah, um, they're now playing against PSG. Either Real Madrid or PSG going to go out. Delightful. Yeah, because that was oh, the. Can we do predictions? Actually, yeah. Sorry, they, <laughs> they were the one team, I suppose, Real Madrid that re- like. Because if you actually go through a lot of the ties, like mm. you know, Liverpool got a slightly harder draw. Um, Chelsea got the same draw. Uh, Man United probably slightly easier draw. PSG. Slightly harder. Real Madrid really got like stymied. Like they had Benfica. They went from Benfica to PSG. Yeah, like that's it. That, that, that's that's pretty bad. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. But also really funny. It's very funny. I found oh, I found it very funny. Uh, even though we drew Inter rather than Salzburg, which I'm pretty yeah. annoyed about. But Real Madrid going from Benfica to PSG was uh, was very very funny. But uh, let's do this then. Uh, we'll, we'll do extremely early, extremely quick predictions that mean nothing, but it's fun, so we'll do it. And I'll go through uh, all eight ties, and you just rattle out who we'll go through, all right? Yeah. Are you ready? All right. Yeah. Uh, and we'll go Harry, then George, then me. Yeah. Okay? Uh, PSG, Real Madrid. Real Madrid. Real Madrid. Real Madrid. Real Madrid. Sporting Man City. Man City. Man City. Man City. Bayern Salzburg, I guess that's going to be Anna's. Bayern. 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 Uh, Inter Liverpool. Liverpool. Inter. Liverpool. No. I believe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he has a point though. Chelsea Lille. No, he doesn't. We'll see. <laughs> Chelsea Lille. And uh, my my extremely loud heater in the room there just started, so if it's picking up on the microphone, I see too. Nah, that's right. Chelsea. Yep. Chelsea. Chelsea. Villarreal, Juventus. Villarreal. Yeah, I was going to go Villarreal. That's amazing. I was actually going to go Villarreal. I thought you would both go for Juventus. So I was going to say Villarreal. Because, like, with Villarreal, or, or Emery, I suppose, like, he, he's Europa League merchant. But 
I have to say, he, he's good at knockout football, and Juventus is yeah. shocking this season. Yeah. I've got no. Re- I know they topped the group with Chelsea, but. They, they topped the group with Chelsea by luck because Juventus. Oh, yeah, Chelsea like crapped in, uh, in, in their last game. Concede um, mm. three to. The, because Artem Zuba was like Mikel Antonio. Juventus are now seventh. They're, they're way off. Way off European, the Champions League football places. That, that's one points. to put us, like, bet on a surprise, I think. There's yeah, one yeah, where they could be, I think that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so too. Uh, Atletico Madrid, Manchester United. Atletico. Yeah, Atleti, yeah. Man United. I've I not think... seen anything from Man United. I know they were good in the first 30 against Crystal Palace. But it's, like, they're not going to change it overnight. There. Uh, well, they're not. Well, it's not overnight because the tie starts on February. No, I know, but I, I still think even two months. I, I just, I just ah. look at that squad just to do like maybe do a quick bit on them. I look at that squad, the personnel to press high. I'm not sure it's there, and the yeah. personnel to retain possession. If you look at sides that are really good, like Liverpool, really good at pressing. But what they're absolutely excellent at is once they press, they regain the ball so quickly, like as in they get the ball back and then it's under like control within two or three seconds. Yeah. Man United don't have the technical security across the pitch to win the ball back and then keep it. Yeah. I just think they've got too many players that are too loose in possession. And I think with Atletico, they're gonna be better than they were in the group. Like they like they were pretty dismal in the group if I'm honest yeah. with you, scraped through. Yeah, yeah that's that's like, primarily why I'm thinking that yeah, United might do something here. I expect them to get better. Like, don't get me wrong, if I let's go carry on the way they were, then like you're probably right, but I, I sort of factor in I expect them to get better and I just I'm not ready to yeah. suggest I've seen enough from Man United to go, yeah, they're, they're back, they're gonna be these pressing monsters and you know, they're gonna steamroll teams. I'm, I'm not seeing it yet. I'm wondering if I, Man United can be a bit rattled by El Sartors. Um, no, no. I'm wondering if Man United are gonna be a bit rattled by Atletico Madrid's side games. That could be a factor. Um, I've never played them before, actually. The Champions League. Uh, yeah, no, you say that. I don't. I don't remember. I don't remember any time they would have. Yeah, they haven't. They haven't. Yeah. George, your point. Yeah, I was just gonna say, I, I, it sounds bizarre, but I'd rather like pull an inform a Real Madrid side in the Champions League than at- Atletico Madrid, uh, Atletico Madrid, because they're just horrible. Like you, they, you may be better than them, but they, they're just horrible. They're just absolutely horrible. Right? Yeah, I mean, Liverpool know that from a couple of years ago. Liverpool yeah, Liverpool. Know. Yeah. I mean, Chelsea only really and kicked. Yeah, and made it so awkward. You know, they'll be at home in the first leg, which is exactly what they did to Liverpool, got yep. the result at, yep. at, their, at their ground, and then had something to go and defend. Yep. And it's just one of those where it could be a similar sort of thing where they'll grind out a result at home, where they are very strong, typically, in Europe. They've only lost a couple of games. Um, and then, you know, go to Old Trafford. And I could see them keeping a clean sheet at Old Trafford quite easily, if I'm honest with you. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see with that one. But and finally... Benfica, Ajax. Ajax. It could go either way. I've been impressed by Benfica, but I'm going to go Ajax. I'll go Ajax too. Ajax won all their group games. You got to. Yeah, you got to play. Yeah, in a very balanced group though, as well, like with the Sporting and Dortmund went out. Dortmund, Dortmund did go to the Europa League. Barcelona are in the Europa League and they're going to play Napoli. And I think that is interesting. I think they're going to lose. 
Napoli. Who did West Ham get? I didn't see. Oh, are they not in yet? Let's see. Is there like an inter? Is no, there like a round where no, I think they might have changed the format? Oh yeah, there is a qualifying round for yeah. the. I was going to say like I didn't see anything on Twitter about who West Ham had. I saw it like Leicester were in the conference league, but I didn't see anything about West Ham. Yeah, that's a good question. That's a good question. Spurs obviously got their draw for the conference league, which you know they might be out of the group. Well, they, I think they will be. I mean, how can they, they need three points to progress? I mean, how on earth could they be given the three points for a game? Which, you know, like it's not maybe their fault, but because of what happened in their camp, the game was postponed. So how could you give them a win for it? I, I don't see how you could. So, but I hope they stay in it. Cause we need to keep them on that Thursday. Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. They, there, there might be a threat of them to getting top four. Uh, Barcelona and Napoli is obviously going to be an important month. Uh, an interesting yeah, Leipzig Sociedad is another one. That's going to be really good. Yeah, that, I mean, that is a strong Europa League. It, it is a strong Europa League. Uh, even if Barcelona go through against Napoli, which they will not, uh, they, they still have a, a many hurdles. Like West Ham would be favourites against Barcelona, not even joking. You think? Yeah, I think. No, not by then. By then, Barcelona. <sighs> Stabilized a little bit, but well, I don't know if I right want to now. keep my West Ham take because we're playing but, tomorrow, and I strongly believe in. If I go and like absolutely rinse them, then we'll probably get beat. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Not, not, not to like can't can't a pun here, but I think that their bubble will burst uh, soon. Interesting. interesting. So, well, interesting. Napoli did um, bottle severely bottled their uh, very firm place at top, and now they're four points behind. Which is interesting. Victor Osimhen got like horrible, like facial like an injury. And I, yeah, I saw it. I think it was a cheekbone yeah. injury. It was like a fracture, and uh, yeah, it was a very complicated procedure. I think. Yeah, horrible stuff. Um, okay, uh, there won't be unfortunately any I um, Amida or uh, Tabs on Tabby or Glance on Gilmore or any of that horrible stuff. I mean, I do, I do know. Um, a little bit about the the Roma score. They beat uh, Spezia. Tammy got an assist by just heading it into big Chris Smalling's head. Hey, uh, but apart Chris from that, there's no uh, there's 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 uh, there's no other tabs on Tammy. That's impressive, mate. Impressive commitment. Yeah, nice. Yeah. yeah, I wasn't able to watch anything of it at the, the Liverpool game either. Finals of that. Um, so which we love, guys. But we will yeah, do. Absolutely. Thank you. We will do uh, a fancy update because we haven't oh. been doing that for the last. Kind of few weeks. We look, look, Harry. Look, I'll, I'll tell you this: you are bottom, and you are bottom by a pretty big margin, a long way. Yeah. But I will tell you this: I was top. Fergal was bottom of, of the league, I think, by game week eight. Since then, he got San Jimenez two and two. Salah got he got him in the Merseyside derby, so he scored fifteen points for him. Yeah. And then we all forgot to make picks because we're a very professional podcast. And then he, he had James Madison this week. He got 14 points. So, you know, there's if like a quick few. Yeah, a quick few, uh, uh, you know, double figures, and, and you're in there, you're in there in the conversation. That would involve my players actually playing rather than having COVID or being randomly benched. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's not been the best time of it. I think I've not had a player start a game for something like four or five weeks, and it's ridiculous. Yeah, completely um, bizarre. 
Um, so, so yeah, last uh, game week, Madison scored 14 for Fergal. I had Diogo Jota, and he made a substitute appearance. George, so he got one point to Diogo Jota. George got Cristiano Ronaldo, he scored a penalty. And uh, Diogo Jota was also Harry's pick, and he scored one. So the current table reads 54 for me, but then the gap is very much closing on 47 is Virgil, and then George is on 41. Only ones. I mean, I'm 13 points. That's not. That's not unachievable. It's, it's not unachievable. I tell you, I, like I was at one point, I was further ahead than any than, point. Then yeah. more than double second place. And now yeah. look at the difference. Because what I did was, well, Saw got the 24 points for me as Man United. Uh, then I chose him again. He got only five. Vardy 2, Gallagher 2, Mane 1, and then a couple zeros and a 1. Well, 0 when we all forgot, but there's a 0 and then there's a 1. So, I've dropped off. Like, I've dropped off in terms of... It's just the solo game week that's been carrying me so far. Not been particularly good at this. So, there's hope. There's hope, Harry. Yeah, and George. It's funny you should mention Salah, because I'm going to pick him for, for this week. And yes. The reason is that you're playing the worst team in the league. Yeah, we are. Candidates for the worst team in the league. Worst defence in the league. You know, yep. there has to be some sort of, like, something against me. Uh, um, you're, you're definitely, definitely cursed, cursed if Salah doesn't score. doesn't do anything. Yeah. yeah. If, if, if he, he doesn't, doesn't, then you're, you're absolutely cursed. Do you know yeah. what? I Apart from apart from Smith-Rowe, I could be really wrong here. Apart from Smith-Rowe, who, who Fergal's picked, I don't think I've picked a single player that anyone else has picked. You, you, you're, um... As in, I've not repeated anyone else's, like, complete... Yeah, yeah, complete no, you're, yeah. Uh, you're a trailblazer, mate. You're not a follower. Yeah. Not a follower. And, and it's, it's, it's got results. Pookie, eight. You know, Smith Rowe got three, and then Wilson, nine, and then Ronaldo, nine. And Conor Gallagher, because Conor Gallagher, one of the best players in the league, oh, I dare yeah. say. That was a good pick. Yeah, yeah it is. I love that in the same game week that I picked, I picked Pookie. Harry picked De Bruyne and Gosling because <laughs> he got COVID. Uh, I remember that. I picked Kyle Gallagher. We all rinsed you for it. And uh, you were last place then. Uh, oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, you had a good run yourself, it should be mentioned. Uh, so Harry's gone for Salah. George has gone for Conor Gallagher. Uh, I've gone with Mason Mount. Uh, I guess Mason. Money Mace. I guess, uh, uh, yeah, I know, I know. Sorry, sorry. So, they're playing Everton, Everton have loads of injuries, we've discussed them, they're very vanilla, and their vanilla has been even more diluted, so makes them out better, better score some points. Fergal's gone for Diogo Jota, obviously, a uh, very sensible pick because we're playing Newcastle, so I should have probably picked another Liverpool player, but I picked a, like, Southwise, Sadio Mane, and Diogo Jota already, so. Don't want to waste every season, you're gonna, Yeah, you're going to run out. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, so I went from out. So here we are. Here we are. And that's the end. Uh, that big was... Uh, it's a very big week. Um, and yeah, it's holiday season, which means that every week, or every episode, there will be a couple game weeks that's gone by. So that's one for the listeners, I guess. From here, I think, until the start of January when this festive season of fixtures is over we will be kind of discussing more of 
like broader topics, like the Arsenal captaincy situation, like Everton season, um, and, and like big picture things like that. So yeah, I hope you are enjoying those because they're a bit different from what we've been doing all season with you know weekly recaps and everything uh, uh, like that. So yeah, we'd appreciate every every bit of feedback from from you, the listener. Um, please reach out to us, follow us on Twitter, JF underscore pod. That's J-A-F underscore pod on Twitter. Uh, give us a rating on whichever uh, podcast, you know, hosting site of your choice. But otherwise, it's, uh, it's been a pleasure. It's, uh, it's been a bit weird hosting an, an episode while Harry's here to start. Um, but uh, thank you, Harry. Thank you for your awesome insight. If uh, anything else. Not anything else. All right. And uh, George, thank you for, uh, for, for being here as well. Yeah, for turning up. For, for turning, turning up. up. <laughs> for my appearance fee. For your appearance fee. Um, disclaimer, we do not offer appearance fees. This podcast is, uh, is still weird. Ham! Ham! Follow, subscribe! That's around.